Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. The world is on fire this week, and I wanted to bring my friend Maj Ture, founder of Black Guns Matter, on the program to talk about what's going on. Uh, Maj, you just got back from Minneapolis, and you were in Tulsa. What's going on? What's going on is the uprising of a lot of frustrated Americans that are starting to recognize uh, what government overreach looks like. I think that um, a lot of times, you know how, like, in the gun community, we've heard, we've, for decades, we've been like, man, they're coming to take our guns. And people are like, man, there's no way anybody's coming to take your guns. That's not happening. And so, you know, then fast forward, and then you got guys like Beto saying, hell yeah, we're coming to take your guns. And then it looks much more clearer. He's, this government overreach in the form of the corona pandemic and, and, and uh, things of that nature has shown the people, uh, uh, you know, that they will overreach, um, as well as it showed a lot of police officers that it's just like, okay, guys, you got it. You guys are on your own, which is which is completely fine by me. I got to You know, I'm I'm armed, but uh, but what's happening is government could not create more of a layup for liberty than they're doing right now because people are not distracted. They're not at work all of the time, and they're seeing their goof troop. You know, uh, back to back mistakes or bad choices. So that's what's happening around the country, and I think there's different layers of people involved in that. There's actual people protesting at the top tier, fighting against government overreach. There's paid um, agitators in the middle to kind of like deflect from the overall thing and use it for their political purpose. And at the bottom of it, it's like young, white, black, Asian, Spanish teenagers that just want to loot stores and get like LeBron James sneakers. You know what I'm saying? So that's what is the general feel around the country as I've been traveling around doing the Black Guns Matter uh, firearms classes. I know you've been uh, critical almost from day one of the government-imposed quarantines and all of the economic devastation. I feel like uh, that was the first of a one-two punch, creating this tinderbox where people are just frustrated, they're pissed, they're depressed, they're unemployed. I mean, George Floyd lost his job right. because the Minnesota governor locked down the economy. Um, these two things are very much related to each other. Yeah, they're related. Not bigger than that, Matt. They symbiotic. Like, it ain't even like just in close proximity. It's like one plus one gets you two. It's no different than poverty in certain areas. And I don't care. I don't care what neighborhood you identify as. If if you know if you're hungry, you gotta eat. That's like that's that's like primal. You know what I'm saying? And, and so. Um, these things are going in, in that direction for these reasons. And, you know, and, and like I said, like you said, I was very critical from the very beginning. Models, the model that we got was based on predictions. Models is predictions when you don't have any data, like no science. You know, and the guy that started that, in, in, in essence, was saying, based it and said, listen, if we do nothing, this is what could happen. But duh, who would not do anything? Media, other, you know, left and right people ran with that for their own political purposes. And then they, in essence, states, cities, states, and federal governments locked down our entire country. So now we're looking at depression rates and suicide rates going up. We're looking at domestic fights and abuses going up. You know, these are one-two punches that are symbiotic in their relationship. So with me saying, like, yo, safety, like, everyone's, all atrocities start with, like, oh, this is for your safety. We as the government are doing this for your safety. I have the right as a free individual to determine my level of safety. I don't need the government to do that for me, okay? I haven't worn a mask this entire time. Scientifically, those masks do not work for the thing that you're talking about. Um, so all of this, you know, the social distancing, this, that, and the third, listen, humanity has existed for hundreds of thousands of years. You know, comets have hit the planet. You know, um, we've had, you know, earthquakes and seismic shifts and all of these different things. This is what happens. People overly uh, depend on safety when in reality, safety's third. You know, it's like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and or property. It's like life, like living, like not like scared and like being locked in the house, like living and like living your best life, then recognizing what dangers are there and then mitigating those dangers based on your choices, right? And then that, that's where you get to slave, excuse me, sla safety, like not being a slave. Safety's third. When I take a plane, a plane is very, very dangerous. It's like not, it's not, you, we've accepted it as safe, but it's, it's like 30,000 feet in the air with jet fuel. Like it's not safe. We've mitigated that certain level of safety by, you know, safety belts and this, that, and the third. So my point there is um, 
I was critical of that from the very beginning because I know what government does. It, it's, it doesn't make anything. It doesn't make things safer. You know, the free market does that. And I don't need the government to tell me what I have to wear on my face or how far I need to stand away from somebody when the logic just doesn't even make sense. Like, I'm standing six feet away from somebody vertically, but I'm right next to the person at the ATM next to me horizontally. Like, the virus doesn't do lateral movement. Like, that, like it's, it doesn't make sense, you know? So um, I was critical. And as usually I am, this is going to sound very, very pat yourself on the backish and very, very arrogant, as I normally am, because I think and I look backwards, I was right. You know, there's there's been um, massive government overreach. You pent people up in the crib for a long time. You force them to, in essence, not have, you know, the means to make money. And they're frustrated. So, like, what did you expect? Did you like you wanted people to come outside, like holding hands or like wearing masks and like air high fiving and being happy? Like, no, you, you destroy people's way of life. And you, in essence, told millions upon millions of Americans that the way that they feed their family is not essential. And that's that is government overreach. If, if I don't if I don't know what it is now, I do. Hey, I want I want to talk about the Tulsa massacre that you were uh, uh, reminding people of uh, when you were there last weekend. But but I'm thinking a little bit about all of the, the Karens that and I watched them scold you online for <laughs> saying weeks and even months ago what you just said. And and those same people, particularly public health officials, are now um, sort of rationalizing that that protesting is different than going out and buying a sandwich and engaging in peaceful <laughs> commerce with with your shop down the street. Um, what do you have to say to them? It's 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 the, these people, right? It, it, sorry, guys, if that sounds racist to my white friends, because it's mostly Karens, it's mostly white liberals. I'm sorry, sorry, guys, <laughs> I love y'all all, but you know, it's just what it is, my white liberal friends. Um, they give this virus so much intelligence. They give it so much smarts. It's like the virus knew to like, wait a minute, guys. Like the collectively, Corona and COVID-19 said, hey, guys, we're going to take a knee for the protests because these massive amounts of people that we normally would gobble up, right, we're going to chill. So, you know, there's, it's like the gun-free zone zone. It's like the criminal goes, wait a minute, guys, we... Can't we can't shoot up, shoot it up in here? It's just funny, and it's a contradiction. I would much rather them say, "Hey guys, we were scared. We thought this was unprecedented. We jumped the gun. We were wrong. Let's adapt and move forward." Or, "Hey, certain areas are hit harder than others. You know, New York, Miami, California were hit harder based on dense population, so forth and so on. Areas that you know were not that are already you know spread out." They don't have the same threat or have not had the same outcome. But that's too much like right. It's too much like right for the government as well as the people that were afraid by that to just, you know, retract the statement. Even wrong journalists retract the statement. Maybe not with the same, you know, passion that they were yelling at you. The cameras that were yelling at me on Twitter, I'm like, bro, your mask is a cloth piece. Like, it, it's porous. It's That's not... You don't have any eye protection on. Like, it's a droplet scenario. It gets into your mucous membranes. It's like your nose, your eyes. Like, come on, guys. Like, like let's, let's think. And, and they're never going to um, admit fully that you were right. But what they will do, and I'll take it, what they will do is they'll be quiet. For the next 10 years, based on, you know, the police leaving, the corona thing, you, you, no one, I should hear nothing from any of those Karens about gun control. When you say, we'll just call the police, the police literally left. And we have point of references of showing that. So um, that's the silver lining that I got out of it. But now more and more people are seeing, we're not seeing spikes. There's been Philly, you know, we had thousands of people protesting as recently as Saturday over the last few weeks or so. And we're not seeing massive amounts of people going into hospitals. We're actually seeing the opposite. We're seeing, you know, restrictions being lifted. We're seeing people come out. We're seeing businesses open. And that's the direction that, you know, um, we need. So I, it's like arguing with your, with your lady, you know, just when she's quiet about it and not really yelling at you, just take the knee. You're in the lead. Take the knee, run the clock out. And that's what I'm going to do with this one. I, I can unfortunately relate to that advice. <laughs> the strategy. It's the reason I'm still sitting here. <laughs> let's, let's pivot to, uh, and I want to talk about defunding the police. And I want to talk about uh, structural racism, because I, I think I think we libertarians actually have some substantial 
ways of, of limiting police abuse and, and police power. But let's remind people a little bit of the history. That's, that's a lot of what you've done with Black Guns Matter. Why were you in Tulsa? I was in Tulsa because it was the 99th year anniversary of the Black Wall Street Tulsa race riots. Um, Black Wall Street, which was it was affectionately named, was you know tons of businesses owned by melanated beings in in, in this part of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, there was a rumor that one of the African American men from that neighborhood made a sexual gesture towards a white woman. White uh, citizens grabbed the guy. The men from the community go over and like, yo, you can't like take our guy. And so it goes back and forth. And those in, that entire community of businesses was destroyed. It was burned down. It, uh, the fire department that was brought there stayed there and allowed it to be burned. The part of the story that generally doesn't get told, though, because I think that goes in alignment with the victim narrative, the part that it is empowering is Black Wall Street was rebuilt and was there for about 35, 40 years after. Um, but the reason for me going there on that specific day, I'm in the numerology, nine and nine. Did you know that nine is like the highest number? Like when you get to nine, you actually just kind of like start over again. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. Um, the 99th anniversary or something like that, I could only think that, that biz those businesses and those Americans uh, would have prospered and, and grew even more exponentially if they were armed, if they had the means to defend their life. And so for me, instead of complaining about what was destroyed, we highlight what happened. It's a part of our history in America. We highlight, you know, the rebuild, and we also present a solution. You know, you, it's like the Sankofa birds. You look to the past to, you know, kind of like get your bearings on what you want to move better and do better in the future. So we went there. Uh, we did a free fire, as we do in, uh, with all the events, a free firearm safety and training class uh, for anyone that signed up. We had a, I'm trying to keep the classes under 100 people because it's much more difficult to have 400 people at a, at a firearm safety class, you know, depending on the space and all those other different things. But um, the class went great, man. We had a great outdoor range. We partnered with, um, and this class would not have gotten done so smoothly if it wasn't for the folks over at United States Shooting Academy um, and Diana um, Muller, who is a three-gun competition shooter. She's 22 years uh, retired law enforcement. She was law enforcement in Tulsa for 22 years. And, you know, she, she saw the friction. She saw the hey, Maj, as a, as a retired law enforcement officer, I can't necessarily reach the, your demographic the way that you can. So we, we partnered up together. We had great instructors to come be a part of it. Uh, uh, NLT Cert Pistol gave us, you know, all of our Cert Pistols for the class. Um, shouts to Phoenix Ammo. Shouts to Fioki Ammo. They donated to Ammo. Um, again, shouts to USSA, United States uh, Shooting Academy. Great spot. If you're in Tulsa, you should check it out. But that's what we were there for, to make sure that we're informing people about their human and natural, natural rights, these are human rights. The Bill of Rights are rights that are your birthrights, right? And just to remind people, especially from that demographic on that day, which was very fitting, um, about your human right to, to, to keep and bear arms, to defend your life if need be. And there's no, there's no clearer example that you could give of over 6,000 business being burned down because at the time, you know, the, those Americans did not have the, or th thought that they did not have the means uh, to defend their lives. So it was a, it was a great, great, great class. And you and you then took that message you because I was talking to you that day and you you packed up and got to Minneapolis because because that same message of the police are not going to defend you you have to take that individual responsibility to defend yourself is that is that basically it absolutely and 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 there was no it was another yet another you know unfortunately George Floyd was murdered and I want to say this I I'm a conspiracy theorist to a degree right I theorize about people conspiring to do a thing. That doesn't make you crazy. That doesn't make you tinfoil hat. The rumor, I don't know if it's actually accurate, but the rumor is that the term conspiracy theorist was created by the CIA to make critical thinkers look crazy. But regardless or not, um, I've heard a bunch of different stories about George Floyd. Oh, he was a Mason. They faked his death. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, maybe that's the case. I don't have any information to support those claims. So I, I do know that you know, uh, George Floyd was an American that, based on what we know, was murdered by law enforcement, you know, for a potentially a $20 counterfeit bill. I've seen so many um, socialists and statists posing as conservatives and liberty-based folk try to make this about assassinating his character as opposed to an American being killed by a, a law enforcement officer that had about 17 infractions on his, on his jacket, you know? 
And it's just ironic to me that we would try to, and this happens often, we try to criminalize or character assassinate the person killed by the state, but it, we don't want to look at the state's actions or those individual you know, members of or workers for the state. Um, so I, I just want to make sure that people understand that. So there's no other uh, more clear-cut example. And it was annoying to me, kind of, because two years ago, I had to go to Minneapolis-St. Paul to do a class after the Philando Castile verdict happened. I knew tensions would be high, just like tensions were high there. So what we did was we did an on-the-ground, in-the-street, uh, firearm safety and training class. We, again, we took a sh huge shouts to NLT cert pistols, next level training cert. Yes, that's a plug. No, they don't pay me. <laughs> um, but they gave us a bunch of these amazing guns that are like $200 and $300 a piece. Um, and what happened was uh, we get we had, in essence, an on-the-street class. I mean, completely beginner people that, on one hand, you're saying this is wrong, and you're right, it's wrong. But on the other hand, because a lot of those people were liberal, they're in essence saying, let's get the guns off the street. So you're putting more of a monopoly of violence in the hands of the state, which is a contradiction. And so in explaining it to the people from on the ground with them and then giving them something for free, the message was received extremely well. Um, it, was, it was just a ton of people. And it was beautiful because we had some people, um, our classes are comfortable. You can ask, you can challenge me with questions. You can say, well, guns are bad. Well, no, actually, not really. The areas that have more responsible gun ownership have lower violent crime. That's not like my feelings about it. That's like data. That's like FBI stats. Um, you know, Dr. John Lott uh, did a great book from a while ago called More Guns, Less Crime, where he chronicled this very well. So I thought it would only be uh, right and supportive to make sure that we made ourselves available to people, especially on a ground zero level, um, to people that wanted to get some of that information and training and kind of shift hearts and minds around that. A, a, a law enforcement officer's job, uh, their job description or their, the uniform that they wear, they wear does not give them the license to kill you as an American. It does not. And if anyone, if any uniform, I don't care if it's a post office dude, if they try to kill me, I'm going to kill them. That's it. That there's no, like, I have the right to exist in, on these lands, you know, and, uh, and, and pursue my life my liberty and my pursuit of property um, and happiness too. I'm happy regardless, but you know, I want to continue to pursue that and just giving people that empowering message right on the street with, you know, 20 or 30 cert pistols, telling them what about stance, grip, um, the, the mindset, the second amendment, um, the bill of rights to people that felt like who were erroneously taught that this is something that is outside of their right. Um, it, it's just super empowering. So I lost a little bit of sleep uh, or a lot of sleep, but it was it was a sacrifice that I, I have no problem giving doing over and over and over again. So I'm going to pick on Republicans in a minute, but I I, I have to point out and and I I know you know this, but uh, Minneapolis is 100% run by radical uh, progressive Democrats. Uh, the officer that that murdered George Floyd um, had. Been uh, potentially could have been reined in by none other than Senator Amy Klobuchar, and she refused again and again and again. And it just strikes me that there is a there, there must be some fundamental link between people that believe that big government is a solution to our cities and cities that don't rein in big government when it comes to police abuse. Do right. these things they, do they go in hand in hand? They, it's hand again. It's hand in hand, and on top of it being hand on hand in hand, again, it's symbiotic. I mean, if if it was like two cities, like over two terms, I would be like, well, eh, you never know. But the fact that I, I mean, I've been across the country from like one coast to the other. I don't even know how many times anymore. Like I've made that cross country trip, that long four or five hour flight. I I don't. I don't, and it's not long when you travel international, but if I didn't see this in mostly democratically ran cities consistently, I would be more apt to go, well, let's, 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 let's be objective. It's, it's, it's clear. It's not even like a oops. When you talk about like the Ku Klux Klan being a democratic organization, that's not like a like Maj kind of feels that way about it. It's like, no, like, no, like this is what this organization was. When you're talking about policies, when you're talking about Joe Biden, when you're talking about the guy that like is pandering to the black vote, the telling black people, yo, bro, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. It's like, ain't you the same dude that A, 
was co like created the crime bill that like locked up all of the black people, you and Big Bill, right? Aren't you the same dude that created like gun free zone gun free zones that now like over 90% of the gun like mass shootings are in those gun free zones? You don't got no room to talk, bro. These are like aren't you the same guy that's been like in public office in DC DC for like 50 years? What were you doing the last half a century and why didn't you give us the antidote then? Like, at what point, like, you got to be in the president's chair? Bro, you was in a White House for eight years. You didn't want to, like, pass off, like, the, the, the like the antidote to, like, Big Barry? Like, come on, bro. Like, it's, it's just too commonplace and it's too consistent for it to be an accident. And, and I hate that because I have so many friends and loved ones that lived in left cities, that live in... I live in Philly. We 80% Democrat, you know? And so... Um, just having that conversation and, and, and getting more people, even though I have some issues with the libertarian leadership, the party leadership, I think Sarwark is a fucking clown, okay? And on top of that, um, I, 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 I urge everyone to join the libertarian party, not only to just, you have a viable option now. We're, it's the third largest party in the world, and the Democrat and Republican party have been around for hundreds of years. The, the libertarian party's only been around since like the early 70s. So you got a viable option. Not only do I want people to join, right? I also want people to reach out to your delegates and tell them you want Sarwark gone because you want, as an urban American more specifically, you want to come into a inclusive, freedom, liberty-based, you know, uh, uh, political group that isn't going to keep doing this like, it's their fault, it's my fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. You know, it's just about liberty, freedom, and like the thing that this whole, this whole like, America was supposed to be on. So um, I think that people are seeing it. The silver lining from, again, this Corona COVID thing, this, this, this civil unrest, people are tired and they need, they have different options. And it's our job to show them those different options like we can at the Libertarian Party. So I want everybody to go join, be a member. You're going to hear everybody saying, the Libertarian Party will never blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course not with that attitude. Like, come on, dudes. You know, so I just I challenge everybody to do that. Think different. Jump outside of those boxes. So um, one one of the things that I worry about with Democrats, and I'm about I, I'm pivoting to picking on Republicans, and then we can talk about some libertarian solutions. Okay. That that could actually deal with. Uh, I actually like the word structural racism because the structural part is the government monopoly enforced part that empowers bad actors. Um, so you have you have Democrats that like they're they're saying that they're going to defund the police and Minneapolis the city council has announced that they're going to do that. To me, it looks like a rebranding exercise. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know exactly what that means, but but we libertarians would have some structural ways to to rein in police power and probably cut their budgets too. Um, but you know, Democrats are are culpable for all of this. Uh, Republicans, on the other hand, they they. They believe that government power corrupts, except when it comes to things like police and the, the war state. And they, they, they seem to be unwilling to acknowledge that, that there are bad cops. There can be racist cops. There's, there is abusive uh, structural problems there. Um, and they always jump back into that camp of hashtag Blue Lives Matter without even considering sort of the facts of what happened to George Floyd. The the again a lot of these guys man and I, and I love them I, I love again a, a lot of these leftists and rightists quote unquote rhinos <laughs> fuds whatever they follow me and I have love for them as Americans as humans so and this, these statements that I make may offend some of my political connects like high level administration people and family members of the administration follow me on all of these social media platforms. So I always try to preface it from a place of empathy. Then we get to the facts. And then maybe if you stick, stick around through empathy and facts, then we can come solutions together. The reality is my brothers and sisters on the right, Republicans more specifically, you are being status bootlickers. I'm sorry. Maybe that's because you have an unwarranted or media-driven fear of urban America. You know, you sound like Joe Biden on some of these statements. You sound like when Joe Biden was like, oh, we don't want to do this, the, the busing into the schools because we don't want our children going to like segregate, uh, non, what do they say? Uh, racial jungles. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, 
Oh, I've heard people say, if the police aren't in your neighborhood, you guys are going to kill yourself. Yes, so in essence, you're saying that black, brown, yellow, white people in urban demographics have a predisposition to kill ourselves if the white police department isn't there to save us from ourselves. That's the goofy, soft bigotry of low expectations. And when you say these things like my thin blue line and you sound just like the, well, who's going to build my roads? It's the same thing, you know? And so we have models where there isn't. But even before you talk about defunding the police, let's just say, let's start with ending the war on drugs. Let's just do heroin and coke. Let's just do those two. Let's start that. Let's start with three. Let's start with heroin, coke, and weed, right? Once you saw the violent crime rates drop, there's no need for detectives and police to that degree. So the problem starts to fix itself. I think what they do is they create these overbloated scenarios and over make everything a law to justify their own existence. When a lot of these guys could be in the military protecting, you know, from actual threats, like actual, not just like conflicts, like actual like wars, like, oh man, they're attacking us. Cool, we solid, we kill and destroy anybody that's actually trying to attack us. Okay, you guys violated our non-aggression principle. Now we're going to fucking, like, ground you in the fucking chalk, right? I'm with that, but it needs to be justified. I want law enforcement officers to go after, like, robbers, rapists, and, like, unjustified killers. If he's only making $50,000 a year, right, and you're asking him to do a no-knock raid for a guy that, that's wanted for a warrant for two tons of weed, you're asking that man to now risk, or woman, to risk his or her life for some fucking plants that Coca-Cola is about to, like make trillions of dollars on with the strains, you know? So we don't even have to get to defunding the police first. We can, but let's talk about the fact that we've overbloated it, like it's, it's, it's what government has done. And then doing from that standpoint, you know, you give more of a quality of life for those law enforcement officers that are still there, you know? You give them more pride, you get it back to um, peace officer instead of law enforcement. You get it back to, how about something as simple as, Hey, man, you can only be a police officer in the community that you live in. Like how we send our children to school. Hey, your child has to go to the school in the neighborhood, even though I'm a, I'm a fan of school choice. However, why do police officers get that carte blanche? You know, so there's simple and practical things that the Libertarian Party and libertarians, even if they aren't in the party, have been saying about these overreaching a government too big of the state powers. We kind of have been talking about this for some time now, you know, like practically, like Cato has put out stuff on this. Like, it's not, it's not like, like, it's not rocket science. It's only seems to be rocket science because you guys have overcomplicated for a very long time. We're not saying that we don't want law enforcement officers to have a quality of living. We're saying that the American people should not be controlled and patrolled every single way to justify your job. It just, it's, if did, did it violate somebody's body? Did it violate somebody's property? No? Okay, then we probably should just leave Americans alone. <laughs> it's, it's simple. If that doesn't make the case, every dude in the hood in America is in alignment with that. <laughs> you know, there are, um, in, in fairness, there are both uh, progressive Democrats and uh, conservative or libertarian, I, I think they're more libertarian than conservative Republicans, that have been very much uh, warming up to the idea of, of ending the drug war. They're going to do it piecemeal. They're, they're decriminalizing medical marijuana. They're, they're, they're legalizing recreational marijuana. And these are, these are, these are great steps in the right direction. Um, and I, you know, I, the, the idea of defunding any part of government is really attractive to me, but I, I'm afraid that that phrase is a way that, that cities like Minneapolis will get away Without doing structural reforms and ending the drug wars, number one, I'm I'm thinking of, uh, you know, I, and I think a lot of Democrats are down with that, um, but you know, during the the lockdowns, you actually had cops enforcing the stupidest, silliest laws, going to playgrounds to arrest moms, and you know, conservatives are livid about this. Like, what the hell is that all about? It's it's the same story but in different neighborhoods on different silly laws. Right, and that's where the contradiction has to be exposed. Usually what doesn't happen, so I get love from both sides, Americans, right? And I get hate from both sides, Americans, primarily because 
one day you're going to love me because if you're super attached to, let's say, the Trump administration, when I'm supportive of certain things like his funding, you know, and I, and I, and I, I kind of, again, I'm free market, but it's like, yo, certain things, if, since y'all are giving money away, put it where it's going the most productive, right, or that need it. Everybody needs it to a certain extent or could use some help every now and then. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, can't be a crutch though forever. My point though is when there's criminal justice reform that's bringing little grannies home for 20 years for non, first time nonviolent drug offenses, like how are you going to hate on that because it's Trump? Like, come on, bro, like stop it. Or when I'm critical of Trump, you know, th that right side loves me when I'm supportive of that. But when I'm critical of him not being the best on the second amendment, even though he was backed by the NRA, now you want to be mad at me, you know? So we just don't generally have someone uh, that's willing to be objective all of the time, usually in the, you know, in the main sphere. Because the people that are more one side over the other, I'm all the way left and the right is only wrong. I'm all the way right and the left is only wrong. Those people, they get the views, they get the followers, they get the clicks, they get all that other good stuff, right? But they're not moving America forward. They're not moving, like, the actual conversation or the needle forward in the direction of liberty, you know? So I understand why they do it. Um, I don't agree with it. I understand it. Um, but at the same time, it's just you have, to be, you have to be critical. And if you're willing to be that person that's objectively critical, I don't got no picks. If you're right, you're right. You're wrong, you're wrong. White, black, Republican, Democrat. That gang tribal mentality, my tribe is cool people that's down with liberty and the Constitution. That's my tribe, Right. That tribe comes in all ethnicities and hues. If you're like a statist or, or down with the authoritarianism, I'm, you're, you're not my tribe, period. And so um, our tribalism should be restructured that way. And I do agree with you that there is a, a, a slick way. If you don't do this right, you know, it, it looks like one thing, and then you may potentially open the door for, for the federal government to go, well, we got to step in and forget your state's rights, and we don't want that either. Right. Uh, well, let, let's let's talk about uh, uh, Justin Amash was the first member of Congress to introduce legislation to end qualified immunity. Yeah. Um, I, I assume you support that. Absolutely. I, I just found out not long ago. I forgot. Justin Amash follows me on Twitter. I swear I didn't notice for like a year. I had no idea, which tells me that one, he's definitely shadow banned because I did not see any of his tweets. And then when he said he was going to, you know, look at the libertarian situation, I was like, oh, I got I to, gotta, like, holler at him. And I was like, oh, shit, he follows me already, right? Which is dope. Um, yes, his position, again, where are the libertarians? Like, uh, like introduced actual legislation, you know? Um, I bang with it. I think that we as the libertarian party, or libertarians, including, but not limited to, the party have to get behind and support um, all of these men and women that have libertarian ideology that for a long time felt like, or to be quite honest, had to go to the Republican side of things because we didn't fund them properly. That's one, that's one of the areas. And it's an uphill battle. When I ran for city council as a libertarian in Philly, I got this shit beat out of me. Why? Because I had to build, and, and now I know, you know, I learned a lot. However, you know, we only raised about $60,000, $60,000, which isn't a lot. However, what we did was we got a lot of people active involved. What we have to do as libertarians, when we find an Amash, when we find a Thomas Massey, when we find a Maj Touré, everybody across the country needs to get $100 million, $100 million dollars into their campaign efforts, $100 million each into their campaign efforts. And in doing so, then we make those guys that are already rock stars, those women that are already rock stars, we give them rock star treatment financially. Now they can rumble. Now they can get ad, like ads ain't cheap and they ain't free, you know? And so we can impart this message to the people. And that's why I, di I, I, I didn't leave the Libertarian Party. I didn't register as a Republican. I stepped back and everybody's like, yeah, my, okay, guys, we ran another one away. Nah, I'm going to stand and I'm going to rumble. I'm going to get rid of the goofies in leadership. Sarwark's got to go. He's a goofy. I'm sorry. And that's, that's respectfully my opinion. He's a goofy. That's my opinion. Hey, listen, internet world, that's not Matt Kibbe's opinion. That's all me. 
I'm that direct all of your smoke to me. You can vent at info at officialblackhuntsmatter.com. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't have to play the political game in that regard. Um, what my, which is a great thing that I want to segue into now, my job now is to register 50,000. I want to get 50,000 people from the Democratic and Republican Party in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is all I'm going to concentrate on to switch their voters' registration to Libertarian. That's my goal for, for the rest of 2020, 2021, into 2022, when there's a new two-year election for city council in two years, a year and a half now at this point. Um, we need 50,000 registered Libertarian members, people that identify on their voters' registration card as Libertarian in Philadelphia, as well as reaching out to independents. Then we can back a quality candidate again on the local level and start building up. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I didn't do last time. But I learned a lot. You know, I know where we get beat up at the polls. And this is why I'm saying, going back to, you know, Justin Amash and, you know, uh, 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 Thomas Massey. Thomas Massey's in Kentucky. You know, he's the lone guy that stood up against, you know, we talk about a libertarian. The lone guy that stood up against the largest wealth transfer, socialism, right, in American history. Trillions of dollars that they wanted to kind of like sweep under the rug. You know, and President Trump like got on him a bit, tried to chew his head off a little bit. Doesn't matter. Thomas Massey's a rock star. You, you should be donating to his campaign. You should be donating to Justin Amash. You should be donating to anybody that's for the cause of liberty. And we have to. We have to. And I know some of you Republicans that's watching, you know that especially if you live in a city, you know that your Republican leadership has laid down. They've laid down, you know, and it's, it's not time to lay down anymore. We got to stand up if you, if you actually want liberty. So absolutely, I'm in alignment with Justin Amash's le legislation in regards to uh, qualification, uh, 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 basically police being able to do whatever the hell they want. I'm, I'm totally in opposition to it. I'm in support of his legislation, but in opposition to that concept. So like there is this conservative argument uh, for holding bad cop, cops accountable. And I think, I think at least some Republicans understand ending qualified immunity because it, it, it creates that problem for law enforcement and their credibility. Um, but so far, no Republicans are on board with Justin Amash's uh, legislation. The other thing is, is public employee unions. And if you're a Democrat, and you're worried about abusive police power, you're gonna to have to come to terms with the fact that the, the, the number one thing that happens when a bad cop emerges is that the police union circles the wagons and, and very seldom are the bad guys held accountable. But if you're gonna go after one public employee union, you gotta go after maybe the public employee union that protects teachers, bad teachers. Right. And undermines good teachers. It's the same logic. And as this is why I'd be skeptical that, that Democrats are going to be able to clean up their own house, because in order to take on police power, you have to take on government power. The, the, the reason how we're able to, to beat that, though, is we got the people involved. Of course, the you know, it's like when guys say, oh, we're, we're going to have a police. Uh, we're going to do an independent, you know, looking into ourselves. Hey, we've investigated ourselves and we found out that we didn't do anything wrong like that's that's what that leads to but when you have the people involved this is the one good thing that has come out of all of this civil unrest even riots and rebellions and looting right because some of it's looting one of the great things that has come out of that is america responds to money and violence and you've affected people's money you know the government did that we're shutting down you know businesses but on top of that the people express what they're on. It's, and, and I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but you got a situation that, you know, that Boston Tea Party. It's like, nah, we're we not with this. And property was damaged. That, that you know, and so it's not exactly similar. But at the same time, you got you to gotta commend people for even the peaceful protesters. Even if you take a minute and you block a highway, listen, traffic is commerce, you know. And so these are the things that we got to do. But when the people are involved, more so than just leaving it up to the same parties to investigate themselves, you get a different result. I think that it's our job to guide the people based on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, 
um, and freedom and liberty as the, the guiding light to say, okay, how are we serving Americans best? When you're talking about education and, and teachers' unions, is this teacher doing the job of creating curriculum and supporting curriculum or the school system that is going to empower young Americans for the things that they need to strengthen themselves individually, their families, in their communities, and then America as a whole. The teachers that are doing that, let's incentivize it. Let's give them raises. Let, why, why can't there be teachers getting 100 racks a year, not just professors pushing leftist, you know, drivel, you know? But the people have to be involved in that to hold those agencies accountable. If not, like you said, it'll just be more of, okay, we got rid of the one person. But yeah, the one person is the one person that got caught. If the entire structure of it is bad, or 70% of the structure is bad, you gotta get rid of that structure and replace it with something that serves the people better. I think that things like school choice, getting rid of those police unions, because to the people that are listening that, that aren't aware, what happens when a police officer gets uh, uh, caught being a bad guy, right? He, get, he, may, he may catch charges, he may get put on administrative pay leave. You know, the unions go, like you said, they circle the wagons, they go, oh, 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 you can't, you, we gotta have, and okay, cool. I'm not mad at unions when they are organizing to make sure that the pay is fair for its constituents. I'm not mad at that on that level. But when there's clear-cut violations of other Americans' rights, property, and or their life in a lot of these cases, the union needs to fall back. And if they're not falling back for the same type of status loyalty, that's not most productive for the people. And I think that the, a simple, it, it may seem complicated, but a simple conversation like the one that we're having right now and creating just simple structural things that, hey, are we all agreeing that, that this is the best for the people? Are we agreeing that, you know, if officers know the community that they're policing, they're less likely to brutalize somebody that they know or they live close to. Okay, if that's the case, then okay, we'll get back to peace officers as opposed to law enforcement. Will most people agree that that is something that's most beneficial for these communities? Will that benefit police community interactions? And if overwhelmingly it is, and if that answer is yes, then that's the direction that we go. But if you have unions that are doing things to hide the bad apples or just put them in a different department, or switch them to a different precinct, that does not serve the people, the Constitution, and liberty at whole. So the answer and the solutions are very, very simple in that regard. It's always the government protecting the government from the things that the government did. Right. And they rearrange deck chairs. But, but I, I feel like uh, bad bureaucrats, whether they're police or anything else, they never get fired. They just get transferred to some place that is less, uh, less noticeable. Um, I want to get through a couple more issues, and then I then I want to talk about the future because I love, I, I love your your positive outlook on. I mean, this 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 whole thing right now is a total shit show, right? The world is on fire, and it's one thing after another. And 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 I I worry. I, I may be more critical of of the violence and looting that you are because I think it empowers the worst instincts in the in the Republican Party and Conservative Party. Uh, the Tom Cottons of the world, instead of the Thomas Massey's of the world, yeah. instead of, instead of the Rand Pauls. So I I worry, like uh, Dr. King said, that violence begets violence, and yeah. and the, if if you don't succeed with what you're trying to do, we may actually get more radical policing, more militarization, and we got to make sure we don't do that. And I, I just want to bring that up because I know Rand Paul has worked on this. Um, all of these wars that uh, mostly Republicans, but Obama did it too. And and one thing I would say about Trump is he's he hasn't started a new major war, and I think that's a really big deal. But but we have this huge war economy and all of these these government contractors that make all of this war gear, and the federal government gives it to uh, state and local police departments, and and really incentivizes them to go out and find something to use it with. We, we got to shut off the spigot. We're spending too much money uh, making war machines, and now we're turning them on our own people. Right. I think that one of the biggest things that I noticed about the Trump administration um, was when he did not want, at the time, Sec Def Mattis to continue on into, I think it was Syria, if I'm not mistaken. Right. 
And, you know, Mattis resigned. And it's like, I like the personality of Mattis. I'm an I'm a aggressive dude, so it's like, his quotes are legendary to me. Like, yeah, always keep a knife just in case you have to kill somebody, like, and, and there may be cake. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he's like, always... I think that's funny, but I'm from an environment where the price of life is cheap. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's normalized to me, right? Or to some of my friends. Um, so, like, meanwhile, you know, guys like leadership the current leadership of the Libertarian National Party is actually courting a known warmonger like Mattis. And, and I like him at his personality, but his policies are, hey, I'm here to kill shit. Like, and make no qualms about it. I like that type of person when we are provoked. When someone tries to attack me, I am going to try to beat them until I break my hands. That's what's going to happen. I'm okay with that. But I am never going to initiate an act of aggression towards anyone. With that being the case, the, the, the level of warmongering and, and profiting to justify our own existence or this business, it is unequivocally wrong. It is wrong. It's wrong. You, it's like the block. It's like I used to, again, we, we've talked before, I used to rob people. And it's like my justification was... Oh, well, they are selling drugs. Well, yeah, you didn't look at the whole... That's commerce. Like, you're not robbing, like, the cigar shop or the liquor store. Like, they're selling drugs, too. Or you didn't rob the Domino Sugar Factory. Like, sugar is, like, the most addictive substance. Like, that's it. So you justified it. We... I justified it. We as a nation and our, quote-unquote, leadership has justified it because some of those people have gotten kickbacks for justifying it. You know, hey, we need like 18 new such and such at $20 million a piece. No, we don't. Now you got all of this stuff, then it, you know, the shit rolls downhill. So now the over over militarization of the police force, hey guys, you get our 2018 models of like tanks. You know what I'm saying? We got the 2021s coming on pike. We're gonna like incentivize cities and states to take this stuff and then deal with the American people as enemy combatants. You know, it's like it's like super duper simple, you know, um, but we just have to stop like calling it what it is. I'm appreciative that, you know, the current administration has not put us and I was nervous a few times, but he has not put us into a major war or conflict. I'm appreciative of that. I'll highlight that. But we also have to, you know, shift the conversation. But we have more power in that as the people. Like, again, going back to, you know, Rand Paul, who I've met, have great respect for um, his father, who I've, I, I haven't met yet, but have great respect for. Um, uh, Thomas Massey, who I know, have great respect for. Shouts to him for even coming to like lend energy to my campaign and fundraising. Um, we can change some of that by making it be very lucrative to be on that. If these guys are getting hundreds of millions of dollars towards their campaign and they're principled, other guys that may not be as principled will follow suit. The, the, you just got to follow the money because the politicians are definitely going to follow the money. The reason why uh, Thomas Massey, when being attacked by President Trump for standing up against that socialism, right? The reason why he wasn't canceled in this cancel culture, because he's built up a level of principle that cannot be questioned. It's based on his track record. It's not based on like he, he looks cool with glasses or he's got like the curly hair thing going on or he like lives in like a shire. These are dope things, too. You know what I'm saying? However, however, it's based on his track record and standing up for liberty. We have to incentivize people to follow that. If you are not liberty-based, if you are not about the Constitution, you are lame. Girls should not sleep with you. You, know, no, you should see, get no trim. Like, you should, like, it should not happen. You should get all of the money. You should live like a rock star for supporting the Constitution. The reason why people gave 300000 thousand dollars to black guns matter is because we are based in serving the people we are based in the declar the trifecta the declaration of independence the constitution the bill of rights for the hood i did it with tattoos beard locks being completely myself being articulate but still not being afraid to cuss being authentically myself and when people are doing that in alignment with liberty like the few people in the swamp that are even with every single 
deck stacked against them. They are literally in the swamp. It is a cesspool. We have to show up for them like they're showing up for us. And then you'll start to see that. Then you'll start to see people pay attention to that bill, listen to that person. And we just we just got to do more. We've we've I, I, I want to be a, I know I'm going on a ramble, but this is very I'm very passionate about this. I know that you have you 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 all listening have been supportive and, and, and do your part for liberty. And I'm not knocking that. I'm saying based on how we're going right now, we're at a precipice of like the Soros, Bill Gates, less. We're like 19, like we're like two steps away from like 1984 out here. You know what I'm saying? If not one step, we must do more to champion the people that are championing for our liberties. We have to. I'm not going to mess with that closer because I feel like that was pure fire. How do we get more Maj Teray and how do we learn about Black Guns Matter? Yeah, you guys can contact me on any form of social media. It's me. I don't have people. I'm like the people that people say, I'll introduce you to my people. I'm like the, the person, the people. So um, at Maj Toure on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, M-A-J-T-O-U-R-E. On Facebook, please follow official Black Guns Matter underscore Maj Toure. You can message me there. And if you agree with anything that we're discussing today, man, the work that we do with Black Guns Matter and educating and training beginners about the Second Amendment, conflict resolution, de-escalation, and political education, right, and these basic firearm safety classes and training classes, we give them for free to the people, but these classes are not free. Um, we do that by your donations. This is voluntarism, like, we didn't tax anybody. We didn't, like, send the IRS goons to take it out of your check. We just asking, like, yo, if you want to help, donate. Um, if you want to do that, because these things that we're talking about right now are things that we discuss in all of our firearm safety classes, in addition to the other things that I mentioned. Uh, but please, 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 everybody, donate 10 bucks. All you rich dudes, you rich rhinos that don't want to be rhinos anymore, this is your step. Donating is a step in the direction of not being as rhino-ish. Um, so uh, in all, in, on all fairness, um, you know, we are trying to get to the same place. And if you think that the areas that are underserved in that regard is the Second Amendment and education. If you want to help us out with that work, donate to our GoFundMe, uh, gofundme.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. Uh, and just get some merch. Like this, uh, you know, if you know, if it's too socialism for you to just straight up donate, cool, buy something. Capitalism is a thing. Um, get some merch. Uh, that's blackgunsmatter.myshopify.com. And all of those areas, if you follow me on any of those platforms, uh, at maj 2 ray if you miss anything that I just said, just follow me, DM me. I'm really, really down to earth, and you know, I'll, I'll connect with you. Okay, that's uh, that's your pitch, and uh, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, this is a great conversation. No doubt. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hold it down in in DC. I heard y'all gonna get out of jail pretty soon over there. <laughs> maybe some, maybe someday it'll be legal to go outside again. I don't know. Right, right for sure. Thanks for listening to Kibbe on Liberty. Be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Your ratings will help us reach even more people with our mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.